Welcome to Hallmark Up with Mary and Sarah. Welcome to another episode of Hallmark Up. This week we watched One Royal Holiday, Mary and I, and we have our our guest this week, Megan, who will be joining us to give her thoughts on Hallmark on Hallmark Up's version of One Royal Holiday. Hello, ladies. Welcome, welcome. Thank Megan. you for joining us, Megan. My pleasure. Like we do every week, let's uh, go ahead and figure out what happened in this in this movie. All right. So our main character is Anna. Anna is a nurse in Boston who grew up in a small town in Connecticut where her father owns an inn. The town is called Kentsbury. I think it's called the Kentsbury Inn. I don't really know. It's not important. One day she's getting donuts and she meets this man, this three, three groups of people, two men and a woman. So it is a mother and son and their traveling companion from all appearances. And they are snowed in, their flight has been canceled and they desperately need a place to stay. And she suggests that she might be able to help because about an hour from there is her father's inn in Kentsbury, Connecticut. Anyways, they eventually agree to join her at this inn. When they get to the inn, it turns out that the woman is the queen of Galwick, definitely a real place. And um, of one of the men is her son, the crown prince. And the other man is Christopher, who, I, I don't know, is he like the Galwickian secret service or something? What's his deal? I couldn't I couldn't figure that out. I, at first, I thought it was his brother, but then obviously no. not. So, you know, so he's he's actually... So they, so he, they were best friends back in school. And oh, were then, they? And then he needed a secret service guy, basically. So then he hired him on. So they've known each other for a while. So Christopher is the Galwickian secret serviceman. James is the crown prince. And then there is Queen Gabriella. So she bring them, brings them to the inn. Christopher introduces the queen and crown prince as being royalty. She starts laughing. She doesn't know what to do with this information. There's actually, like, to give Hallmark credit, I actually did chuckle at the dialogue at this point. At some point, she turns to her father and she says, what do we do? And he's like, well, invite them in. And she says, but they're royalty. And he says, I'll give them extra towels. And I was kind of like, that's actually kind of funny. Anyways, her best friend, Sarah, is the mayor of the town. And Sarah immediately falls hard for Christopher. And who wouldn't? Because Christopher was way hotter than James. Can we all agree on this? I, I would say that was true, but like she, yeah, instantly was thought he was amazing. Yeah, and the feeling was mutual. So Sarah and Christopher hit it off immediately. Um, James and Anna don't hit it off quite as immediately because James is kind of a jerk, and he keeps making snide remarks about their like pajama ball tradition that they always do on Christmas Eve. I'm like, why would you have a ball in pajamas? And he seems to like want a pillow menu, and there's no pillow menu. He wants room service, and there's no room service. And like, you know, what's wrong with this guy? It's, yeah, it's, and yeah. he had that one comment about, and where's my place card? Like they kind of, they went like one step too far, I would say, with some of that. And so what, what's interesting is too, that his mother, his mother was not of royal descent. She was not the queen until she married the king, right? right. So she kind of grew up as a commoner. And so it's interesting to see how like those traditions were not passed down to him at all, that he has just been so immersed in this, that now that he has to travel with his mom and not his mom and his dad, that, that it's uh, his switch has changed over time. 
And the queen is definitely way more real than the crown prince. Like she's kind of, she kind of likes everybody and like is nice to everybody. And like, she still like waves like a queen and everything, but she also, you know, has packed like sweaters and shit. Whereas crown prince James, like only packed like four piece suits and this is going to become an issue. Well, can we talk about why they were even in Boston in the first place? Because that plays a huge role at the end. Yes, that's true. So at that's the, true. So they were in Boston because that was where his father, uh, I guess, passed away at the hospital on the cardiac unit, of which we find out later that Anna slash Amy uh, worked for. So that gives you the idea of like of of how cold it is there, how snowy it is there, and how that all really plays in a role into the fact that it's December and it's the Boston, Connecticut area. So we have two sort of conflicts developing here in tandem with Anna and James's romance. And one is the fact that everybody's snowed in and they have, the roof has collapsed on the place where they're supposed to have the annual pajama ball. And what are they going to do about the pajama ball? This is actually fairly easily resolved when James points out that there's a ballroom in the inn, which kind of makes <laughs> me be like, how did nobody ever think of this before? Well, and we got to talk about how her mother is no longer with us. Right. Anna's mother. And it was like her tradition to make it be a pajama ball because she had a child. And so she wanted the kid to be able to come. So that's, and so Anna's like obsessed with keeping it like that for at least a while of the meet, of the, in the movie. And, right. and, and I had no idea about that either until, until that point of the movie. Right. So, at which point her father tells her, no, it used to be a formal ball. We just made it a pajama ball because of you. And your mother actually loved formal balls. At which point she concedes to James's suggestion to make it a formal ball again, except with um, a pajama portion for the kids. Now, my question about this actually gets asked at one point. My question about this is how's everybody supposed to get evening wear on four days notice? To which James says something to the effect of, well, I'll bet you every woman in this town has a dress they've just been saving for a special occasion. Folks, I don't have a dress I've been saving for a special occasion. Do you guys both have evening gowns you've been saving for, for a ball? Well, I, I actually kind of do. Not a ball, but, you know, I would definitely be able to pull something out, but maybe not for a proper ball in the middle of winter. Right. <laughs> My cousin got married at a very fancy schmancy place, so I went to Ross and got a $40 ballroom-looking dress, and I think I just recently gave it to Goodwill because I have no need for it. I mean, I could pull out, like, an old bridesmaid's dress or something like that. But, like, hell, I could probably even wear my wedding dress because it wasn't white. But I don't have, like, a dress I've been saving for a ball. Well, that's true. We don't have, like, closets full of ballroom clothes. Right, because who does? Like, I like how he says that as everybody just, like, bought a ball gown on a whim one time and has been, like, keeping it in their closet waiting for the right day to wear it. And they haven't gained any weight since then. There's a difference, too, between a ball a ball gown dress and something that is meant for winter. Because right. when I think of a ball gown dress, I think of, like, a fancier prom dress versus when I when I hear a ball gown dress, I would never think of wearing something with long sleeves that would make me feel comfortable by going outside in the wintertime. To be fair, I mean, her dress was, in fact, strapless. So, I mean, the, I don't think a winter ball gown dress has to have long sleeves. I just think you'd have to have proper outerwear with it. But then that's raises another question is the outerwear so anyways so the ball the ball is one of the conflicts that's shaping up the other conflict is um crown prince james has to give his annual holiday speech and he's afraid that there will be like a riot and he'll be overthrown if he botches it again because last year he gave the speech for the first time after his father had died and he became crown prince and this year he's like 
you know, I better not fuck it up, but I'm going to fuck it up because I can't write a speech to save my life. And so, um, you know, he's afraid that, and the prime minister apparently kind of wants to abolish the monarchy. So he's just going to give them fuel by like giving a terrible speech. So anyways, so that's sort of the other thing shaping up here. As this moves on, I think we can imagine how both conflicts are resolved. So um, Anna, of course, tells James that he should speak from the heart. I'm pretty sure that is a direct quote. And he actually says that like verbatim in his speech. And it's really weird. And it's like, I met someone very special who told me I should speak from the heart about how all of you Galwickians are really my family or something like it was really dumb. Like I could have written a better speech, but he gives this speech and it's supposed to be monarchy saving and everybody loves him and everything's fine. And then um, he flies back to Kensbury the night of the ball to declare his love for Anna. And they have a wonderful ball. They dance together. Sarah and Christopher has of co- have, of course, hooked up at this point. And so has the dad and the lady, Diane, who works at the inn. So everybody, as is typical in Hallmark movies, there are at least three get-togethers. There are at least three couples forming by the end of the movie. Yeah, and the like trailer poster for this one had all three pictures all three couples featured on the imagery oh did it that's cute but like in separate little i don't know montage kind of views and then of course along the way you know as as we are getting closer to the ball and you know the this royal family is still stuck in this inn in connecticut there's like a million different reasons why they can't fly home and then suddenly at the last minute they can but like mary said he wants to come back to be able to be there for the ball well, and it wasn't even that they there was a million reasons why they weren't able to go. There were a couple days when they they were like, oh, there's black ice. That means we can't go driving, even though yeah. clearly they can. So like they were making excuses just to stay. So you could yeah. see that people were starting to fall they in love. Yeah, they definitely were implying that it was a great town and they didn't really want to go yet. And then as soon as they even arrived back, they even had like a bit of like, oh, now and we're then, and it feels like the only reason why they even went back when they did was because he got caught by the paparazzi of Galwick. Oh, yes, that's right. Frolicking. He got with caught Anna. frolicking around Connecticut with Anna. As they were at some kind of... The parade. Concert. Which oh, yeah. was going to fuel speculation that he was not serious about Galwick and shouldn't be king. And I'm kind of wondering, again, like, what was the nature of this controversy that it could be quelled with one deeply mediocre speech, but whatever. I do remember that they kind of, which is, you know, they don't usually do this in these royalty theme ones, gave an indication of the geographic location of fictitious Gallic. Well, yeah, they did. It was interesting to me. (laughs) Like they said, Northern Europe? Yeah, it was Northern Europe, but that's all we get. Yeah, which which is very, you know, a lot more defined than I would have ever imagined us to learn. So now my question is, now that he's in love... The queen had mentioned that she wasn't part, that, that she had royal heritage. It is clear that Anna does not have royal heritage. So does that mean that she's not a- that if they get married that they're that she's able to become queen? Oh no, it's a very good. Well, question. there's usually a difference between like I don't know. So I don't know what the rules are in Galwick. I mean, it's Galwick, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, generally, there's a difference between like a queen who reigns and a queen who is like yeah the spouse or mother of of the monarch it might even be a country that practices male primogeniture in which case it wouldn't matter because only the male line matters 
Uh, and do you just think that we spent a whole extra minute on this longer than the people at Hallmark did? I think we did. I think okay. we did. <laughs> Sorry about that. They, did. <laughs> they didn't think of the lineage at all. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I felt the thing I thought that was kind of odd about this movie, and I'm sure we'll talk about this too, is that they were incredibly informal when they were talking to all of this royalty. Like, you know, like there was a scene, I think, where Anna just like, almost like shoves the shoves the prince on the shoulder and is like, come on, do this thing with me or whatever. And you're like, okay, a prince turns up at your house. You're not going to be like buddy, buddy with him immediately. And I don't even think they would let you. But what did you I guys was kind of okay that? with that because it would have been extremely tedious. I mean, it was an extremely tedious movie. It would have been an even more tedious movie otherwise if they were actually trying to follow the rules that like the Queen of England would follow or something like that. Yeah, I suppose. At least it did move it along a bit. But I just was like, oh, this is so informal. I don't understand how she can be like that. But of course they were in love, so that's probably why. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I don't think you could actually fall in love with someone that you're not allowed to, like... (laughs) Talk to. Talk to, or, you know, like, touch on the shoulder, or, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, so essentially we are... Do we think, in the end, because I couldn't decide... Do they go back to Gawick? Because it just kind of ended at the ball, right? It ends with they're going to make it work, which I think is an interesting trend in Hallmark movies that distance is oftentimes, you know, one of the factors that's that's preventing the romance from happening. And it is sometimes resolved. It's sometimes resolved like we saw in Jingle Bell Bride, like with him moving to New York. And sometimes it's really just left completely unresolved. And that's definitely, I think, sort of a response to... I mean, I'm guessing they must have gotten some backlash about those old school Hallmark movies where everyone would get married at the end after knowing each other three days. Yeah. And so they've clearly walked that back. And now the implication is they're going to, like, make it work long distance. But the thing is, this doesn't even seem like a couple where there's that big of a barrier to that. Like, she's a nurse. I'm assuming they need nurses in Galwick. I don't really see right. any the, reason the for... credentials transfer over. Like, I have a friend that lives in that had her doctorate in, in Australia. And when she came over here, she had to be at the bottom of the wrong. Like she had to start all over again. So would her credentials even transfer over? That's a good question. I mean, maybe, but, I but mean, that's not really a question that's raised. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, they might not even let her be a nurse when she goes over there. But like, we know the dad's going to be fine because he has Diane now. And right. know, the inn's going to be fine. And yeah, you know, everybody's name is very happy and and sarah had even got a flight to go see christopher for new year's eve it was like already gonna go over there yeah so i mean i think we're supposed to assume that they're working it out the same way sarah and christopher are with like visits and i mean he is in fact a prince i'm assuming he has like you know a galwickian air force one that he can just like jump on and exactly and come over and you know and they're gonna be happily ever after for however long it takes them to go back and forth Yeah, I actually think that barrier to the romance was pretty weak on this one. The whole thing of like, well, but he's a prince and he's in Galwick. And it's kind of like, yeah, he's a prince. He can, you know, (laughs) this makes it easier, not harder. Like, (laughs) yeah, I also was disappointed that it didn't live up to my like musical expectation. So the woman who stars in it and her name is I'm going to find it. of course, Laura Ones. Yeah. So she is actually from Minneapolis where I grew up and uh, she won like the sort of search for the next Sandy from Greece competition that they did a few years back for the Broadway revival of Greece. Oh yeah. And I know she's saying a little bit, but like, 
they didn't sing. I wanted them to sing more. I was bummed that they didn't take advantage of her Broadwayness. They sang a few Christmas carols and like everybody magically could sing. She could sing. Mayor Sarah could sing. He could sing. And it was all like extremely, you know, vocally choreographed where, you know, like they'd do Joy to the World and they'd be out in the town square and she would sing a line, then he'd sing a line and then the entire town would sing a line and the whole town would stop to let him sing another line, that sort of deal. Yeah, that was very organized. But anyway, I I think overall this one was a little bit disappointing and I had a lot of high hopes. But I do think, I don't know, that the guy who played the prince, I'm pretty sure he's not British. But he did not too bad, I thought, on his, like, generic accent. The generic, like, pseudo-British, but, like, European royalty accent. Ah, but he actually, looking at his bio, he was in the Moulin Rouge, the musical on Broadway. Really? Did he play, did he play Christian? The, The mother was in Hamilton, I believe. Oh, huh. All right. Broadway cast in this one. And also, Hi. just so you guys know that they uh, filmed this during during the pandemic. Yeah, we've talked about that before. It seems like they actually did film most of this year's movies during the pandemic. We thought mm-hmm. that maybe they would have filmed them before and just been in post-production. Turns out that's not the case. Turns out they just charged ahead. He did play Christian in Moulin Rouge, correct. All right, cool. So, yeah, I mean... I, I think that if you're going to assemble a cast of Broadway stars, like maybe take a bit more advantage of that. So so reading through this one article that I saw, they, I think that they weren't expecting that much singing to be there at all, but they had a plethora of Broadway stars who couldn't work because of the pandemic. So they were, they had more people to choose from. Interesting. And, and so they started quarantining for two weeks beforehand and started filming in July. So people were starting to be gathered during during COVID or during the pandemic breakdown. Um, and a lot more people were available for them right. to make them. You know, well, that's interesting because I do think these actors were slightly better than the Hallmark average. And I think you could tell that because they actually did manage some degree of chemistry. And the script gave them nothing to do that with. Like, honestly, as is usually the, tr- the case in a Hallmark movie, there's no point, there's nothing in the writing that tells you, you know, they're falling in love or, you know, even that one of them is attracted to the other until all of a sudden some character external to the couple makes a comment to the effect of like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, you know, you and Anna, you and James, whatever, which of course happened in this one too. But the difference is that I think the actors were actually, actually managed to look like they liked each other. It was kind of funny during the, you know, reunion the climax at the end my husband looked over and saw what I was watching and he was like oh they love each other and I was like you can tell can't you that's that's nice and I will say since since it was daylight savings time ending last night I kept my four-year-old up to watch the movie with me and about the time they started falling in love is about the time that his cars looked better than the movie all right (laughs) I mean I think that's a sign that it was convincing you know (laughs) made him not be interested at all yeah well I think that probably wraps this one up right did we miss anything key um so the one big key that i think that at, at the end it throughout the movie we find out that the father had been in boston for a very long time and had had this one nurse that he really loved and uh in his delirium or whatever he thought her name was amy just as no, no, um, it was aj 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 okay. yeah 
All right. So anyways, we find out at the end that for sure it was uh, Anna and Anna had had a lot of deep conversations with the king that they did not know was the king because he was under a pseudonym. And at the end, he she was able to declare how proud the father was of of the prince. And it was with that that they kind of fell even more madly, passionately in love with each other. Right. It well, turns out what, that I actually kind of missed that bit a little bit but because initially she said she didn't remember that fake name so how did they figure out that it, she did know him they figured it out because he had mentioned her in one of his christmas speeches and so the prince is going through his father's old christmas speeches for inspiration he finds one where he says you know i'd like to thank like the cardiac unit at boston general in particular my nurse aj who didn't know i was a king but still you know like held my hand when i might have been dying or something like that right and and he had gotten the student, the prince had gotten the pseudonym wrong, I believe, at one point. And wow. so then he, he pulled up a picture of the king and he said, this is what he looked like. Which also brings up the fact, like, if somebody came to my house claiming that they were a prince or princess, like, that night, I'm I'm Googling the crap out oh, of yeah. him. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, totally. Well, so, and they, I mean, had, they had people that were doing that in the movie. So Yeah, but not her. Like, I could not believe that. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. They did sort of get all like paparazzi-esque on them, but but not her. She's just like, oh no, he's just a normal guest at my inn. It's fine. Awkward. But anyway. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. All right. Well, let's take a look at what our sort of typical favorite bingo moments were. I did actually write one down this time. Because, I mean, to be fair, royalty theme is on the bingo card to begin yeah. with. So, you know, that's a bit of a giveaway. But they do one, at least one a year. But the thing that I thought was just, like, a bit gaggy is they took a sleigh ride home from the <laughs> Christmas parade. Yep. And, and he, like, almost lifted her up into the sleigh, which made it even weirder. Like, I just was like, what is going on here? And that's the first moment, you know, they have feelings for each other when he lifts her into the carriage and they look each other in the eye and both get very serious. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, but remember that the only reason why they took the sleigh is because he was wearing his really super duper nice shoes and stepped in a puddle and, and she didn't want him to get frostbite on the way home. No, yeah. that's true. <laughs> How considerate of her. What about your bingo moments, guys? So my bingo moment, and they actually poked fun of it a little bit, was they decided to have Hakako on what ended up being a reclining couch together. But at the beginning, she was like, do you want cider, hot cider or hot cocoa? And he was like, I guess that's what you do here in America. Like you choose between one of those every day. And she was like, yes, yes, we do. So which one do you want? <laughs> so I like I, I just thought that was a little bit like meta for them to be doing. Very true. Very true. Uh, Mary, what about you? I thought it was the constant reasons he couldn't leave. And to be fair, they did get a little bit tongue in cheek about this at a certain point, essentially like admit that they were making up reasons. But it reminded me a lot of Jingle Bell Bride, how it's just one thing after another. First, it's the storm. And then it's that the bridge is broken down. It's kind of like, you're a prince for fuck's sake, like rent a helicopter. (laughs) Like the bridge is not an obstacle for you. Like they definitely could have got home and they uh, but, you know, that was part of the charm, I guess. They liked it, blah, blah, blah. Right. I will say something else, though, and, that, and I don't think this is actually on the Hallmark bingo card, but it is something that is extremely Hallmark, is the theme of a woman whose friends and or parents are telling her, you always think about others, and you never spend enough time thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're supposed to relate to that. I think that there's this assumption that, like, 
most of us get so caught up that we forget to take care of ourselves. But the thing is, I don't think most people do that. I think most people think they do that, but I think very few people are actually so (laughs) selfless that it's a character flaw. And it's like a huge Hallmark cliche to sort of flatter people into relating to that. And I mean, self-care has become such a like meme almost that it's now considered like some sort of virtue to to, you know, stop thinking about everyone else for a moment and just take care of yourself. And Hallmark promoting that as a virtue that is encouraged externally upon the heroine who just really needs to take a time out and stop thinking about other people for once has become a real Hallmark cliche. And then I guess the opposite of cliches, what did you guys find relatable in this movie? Because I really struggled. They sang my favorite Christmas carol, which nobody ever sings. And it is Here We Come a Wassailing, which, in case anyone is wondering, is the best Christmas carol ever and definitely the most underrated. (laughs) I do think I heard it vaguely in the background of another movie that we did watch already, but I can't even remember which one it was. Oh, yeah. This time they actually had carol singers dressed up all Victorian. That's like at the end. Yeah, that's that's like, yeah, that's what I would. That's how I would spend every day of December every year is like having Victorian-dressed carol singers sing Here We Come a Wassailing to me. Well, and, and in previous years, we have actually been to the Dickens Festival in Mary's former little neighborhood to see that very thing kind of happen live. But I knows? don't think they ever sang Here We Come a Wassailing, though, which is really upsetting. No, but they definitely wear Victorian clothes. Yeah, they definitely did, yeah. Uh, Megan, what about you? So I have two, if you don't mind. One oh, was sure. that when she was outside, it was obvious that someone did not know how to put the right amount of blush on her. And I had no idea how to wear blush. So that was a little bit relatable. But the one that I related <laughs> to the most was probably their explanation of why the formal ball got turned into a pajama ball. And that was because they, she was Anna was a toddler at the time and her mom just couldn't handle it anymore. And I feel like that's me to a T. I had all these aspirations of how, what kind of mother I would be. And well, fuck that (laughs) at some point because you're just trying to survive. That's right. The kids are taking over. No, that's good. I, I really tried to think of something relatable in this movie. And in fact, in the end, I am going to borrow one that Mary gave me. But I, I think that the problem with this is I wanted it to be a bit more, I don't know, fantasy, like, and it didn't even live up to that because they were so, like, okay with, like, the royals being around and, you know, everybody was friends from the start and all of that. And I suppose that's lovely, but it seemed not very realistic to me. But Mary did point out that, which is a very good thing, and I have this, too, in, in you know, in my large collection of ballroom gowns. No, not true at all. But <laughs> if I was to have a large collection of ballroom gowns, they would all have pockets in them, which her dress did, which I do think is very cool and relatable. Yeah, it's very important. Because, you know, you got to put your phone in there or something now. <laughs> which is exactly what she does. She pulls her, her phone out of the pocket of her ball gown and watches the Crown Prince of Galwick give his Christmas address. Oh, that's so lovely. Mm-hmm. And then he's outside <laughs> waiting for her. Oh, of course. It was a really fast flight. I know, that's what I was thinking. They're very, very close to... Well, I assume the address was not broadcast live, but yeah. That's true. true. It's a pre-record. Pre-record. We're used to those now. All right. (laughs) So, obviously, this movie... I don't know. I definitely... We talked about how uh, Jingle Bell Bride, in my opinion, was actually quite well done. And we definitely felt like nothing was going to... It probably wasn't going to continue to be a trend in terms of, like 
the fact that it appears they maybe are listening to us and taking on some suggestions about how to make these movies a bit better. Because this they one, may have listened to us make fun of the Hallmark hair because I haven't seen Hallmark hair yet this year. That's very true. <laughs> we did have very different hair this time. So yet again, but like, what do we think we would do differently in this one? Can I toss something out? It's kind of like a hail mary. Oh, of course. Um, all right, so I'm going to do a little bit of a pun. So not one royal holiday, but one royal howl day. And all the characters are dogs. <laughs> all right, okay. You know what? At this point, I think I'm cool with that. Is this animated? Is this live action with, with trained dogs? Is this, you know, CGI? How are we doing this? We have to do the CGI kind of uh, better than Lion King did it, for sure. Okay, so we're definitely like beyond Hallmark's budget now. But, but that's, okay. that's all right. I mean, and I would like to add in there that, like, there's definitely a musical. <laughs> yes. Okay, sure. So have the same actors, but have them voice, you know, these dogs in the musical One Royal Holiday. Yes. So, and so and is then, the plot, like, mostly the same except with dogs? Is that what we're doing? But, I think like, it would make it better. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, because, you know, the dog wouldn't really be there in the cardiac unit, I suppose. But wh- how did the dogs end <laughs> up overseas? Or or maybe they didn't come from overseas. I don't know. What do we I think? mean, maybe they're the, the pets of royalty. Yeah, like exactly. The pets, the pets of, of the, royalty. And the they, pets they escaped of the... from the they escaped from their crates before they got on onto the cargo. Ah, yes. Right. They're like the, the Galwickian equivalent of the Queen's corgis. Right, yeah. exactly. And so and then they end up at the inn by accident because they got lost at the airport. Yeah, yeah, they end up at the inn by accident. And then I'm not sure how we're making their love story work at the end. Are they not getting returned to the royal owners? or? Well, maybe they bring all the royal owners together and they all instantly fall in love. Perfect, perfect. Yes, like and that. then... And and because they're royal, they're royal dogs. They're all microchips, so that's how they get found. Gotcha, gotcha. Microchip your pets, folks. That's right. Yes, microchip your and pets. And spay neuter. Yep. That's right. Of course, we have to call that. And what kind of musical numbers do we think this this would have? I mean, I think there's definitely going to be around of here we come a wassailing, though it might be here we come a waggling. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that would, that's a good one. That's a good one. What what else did they actually sing in the movie? I can't even remember. They sang... They sang Joy to the World. Oh, yeah, Joy to the World. And then they did the Christmas waltz. Oh, yeah. That was the big thing. We forgot to mention that. They do a waltz at the end, and it looks extremely, like, well choreographed. They're definitely, like, Broadway dancers. Yeah, they were definitely well-practiced and stuff. Um, And I was excited because when they first played the Christmas waltz, it was uh, the Zoe Deschanel and Bright Eyes version of the song, well, of course, of the duo they call She and Him. And I was like, whoa, that's 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 like a legit, you know, song, not just c- covered by some unknown person. So they must be stepping up their budget slightly. So how about um, instead of Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad? Oh, yes. We can oh, man. For sure. Oh, man, they can all be like scratching in time to the music. <laughs> oh, that could be yes. definitely a, a big part of the, of the movie when they all catch Feliz from each other. <laughs> which can be sort of like a lighthearted like nod to the times exactly wow all right would every single character almost be represented or would we only, are there only like four dogs who are the dogs in this movie 
well, the dogs, Anna has to have a dog, right? Yeah, so there's Anna an Anna to... dog, there's a James dog, and there's a James's mom's dog. Okay. So there are at least three dogs. I don't know if there's still a Christopher dog. I up. mean, I think that if, if at the end the dogs are essentially bringing their humans together, I think that the mayor can still exist in the movie. Just her role will be changed. Right. So everyone finds love? I, I think whatever happens, we can be assured of that. That's right. All right. Well, let's see. I'll bring up the titles of the ones for next weekend, and we can have a think oh, of that. Can I just um, say one thing really quick? Yeah, I apologize. For sure. So I, I got the characters wrong. It wasn't the queen that was in Hamilton. It was the mayor, Sarah, oh, that was in Oh, right. Uh, gotcha. Henry, can you tell me what the movie is about? Um, Christmas. Anything else? Mm, toy trains. Okay, so next Saturday, we have one of my ones that I think is, like, the best title ever. Never Kiss a Man in a Christmas Sweater. And then we have Christmas with the Darlings. And we saw both of these on the little episode we watched, Mary, uh, Mary with the preview. Interestingly, we, I don't remember what either is actually about. And Well, yeah, it's probably a long time now. But And then we also have, over on the other channel, we have... The Christmas ring, and we have the Christmas bow. So, have you guys talked about how um, you're hoping that maybe the Christmas ring is like the ring, the movie, but with Christmas themed? Oh, so people get like dead. Yeah. I've never seen the ring. This is a real like lacuna in my film watching. Oh. I'm yeah. about to Google what lacuna means because I have never heard that before. <laughs> Sorry, it's a it's a lack. It's a um it, it's yeah. it's missing from my from my I, I saw it, but I wouldn't want to watch it again, I don't think. <laughs> I mean it could also be the one ring to rule them all. Like the one ring to rule Christmas. Yeah, I don't know what that one. The Christmas ring. It surely involves a proposal though. It surely involves a proposal, but it should probably involve a voyage to, you know, Mount Doom. Or people getting sucked into TVs and dying. Or that. <laughs> like, or like that, would, that would be a definitely different kind. In fact, it is on the, like, movies and mysteries one. So there must be some kind of mystery to it. And we haven't really watched one of their ones yet, Mary. So, you know, that That's one true. would be worth watching. Although, you know, they have them on too late. Lord um, of the Christmas Ring. <laughs> Lord of the Christmas Ring, exactly. There's like some hobbits in there, and they're <laughs> on a quest to go to the North Pole. So, because they, they, maybe they're upset that they are not included in Santa's elves, the hobbits. Oh shit! No, that's good. That's good. So, I like this. So they need to, they need to quest up to the North Pole to demand some <laughs> equal rights and get on the payroll. Equal representation. That's right. But I do think I want to watch this one that's called Never Kiss a Man in a Christmas Sweater, but I don't know. Now I might have to watch The Christmas Ring. So I think many- I wanted to watch Christmas with the Darlings only because all I remember about it is that the lead actor is actually named, and I shit you not, Carlo Marx. That's right. <laughs> that is correct. And we remembered that it, I remember that it was, we couldn't appear to figure out what it was about at all from the preview. No, we had no idea, except that there's an awkward scene involving oatmeal raisin cookies for Christmas. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is not a thing. Um, I do remember listening to that conversation and being like screaming at you guys. What's your what's your take on the oatmeal raisin debate? I don't care about the cookies on your plate as long as it's a cookie. It's delicious and it deserves to be on your plate for Christmas. So whatever you that's, feel is best for you. That's a fair take. That is a fair take. I'd be willing to accept that as, as legit. Um, the Christmas <laughs> bow does have a picture of a violin on it. So it's not. Okay. It's, it's not, not like a, a hair traditional bow. bow. But, you know, potentially another movie about classical music in, in the mix there, too. Oh, that could be fun. I hope it's a magic bow that plays Christmas carols on its own. And it's because the ghost of the original owner of the violin. Right. Who loved Christmas, takes up the bow once a year and plays Christmas carols on it. That sounds awesome. I like that. Yeah. So those are the next weekend ones. I think, well, obviously we'll watch at least one, but I, I have to admit at this moment in time, I can't decide which one that should be. Because all four of these actually sound kind of fun to rewrite. I think there is something that we do know for sure that will happen in all four of them, though. For sure. And that is that they will fall in love. love. Yeah. Yes, they will. So we can tune in to next week to see what happens on Hallmarked Up. Thank you for listening to Hallmarked Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at Hallmarked Up, and on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.